Take your Bible, if you would, and join me today in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Okay, while you're turning, let me ask you if you've ever had this experience before. And since it is just us today, let's answer as honestly as we can. How many of you have ever looked for your glasses that were on your face? How many of you have ever done that before? Lots of us have done that, okay? Um, how many of you have ever looked for keys that you had on your own person? How many of you have ever done that before? For example, you know, can you hear this happening? Can you hear um, like a husband saying, um, hey, sweetheart, have you seen my keys? And she says, have you checked your pocket? And you say, oh yeah, thanks, you know? And, and so that kind of thing. How many of you have ever, you know, been looking for something that you already have in your possession? And I suspect that maybe most, if not all of, all of us have done so. Do you know, you and I stand right now on the, the brink of a coming, I don't know, I don't know, period of times of unknown. It's not just the beginning of a year that causes a person to contemplate that which is before us. It's just a new day. I mean, I mean it's some new venture. It is some journey that is before us. And every new dawn of a day presents us with the great unknown. There is something that has been presented or placed before us that you and I, by our very nature, cannot fully understand what lies before us. So when we start to ask questions like, I don't know if I could handle it if, or I don't know what I have to, I don't know if I have really all that I need should this be my lot in life. We start to ask some questions that need some answers. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and literally all throughout scripture, God is presenting to his children, people just like you and me, that we actually are already in possession of that which sometimes we wonder, will I have all that I need? Your Bibles are open right now to 2 Corinthians. If you were to back up from what we'll call our text and, and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 5. And this is an honest admission or acknowledgement that you and I would do well also to acknowledge. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 5, here the apostle says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Now pause right there. What Paul acknowledges is, okay, I don't in and of myself have all that I might stand in need of. There are, are things before me, a journey that lies ahead and it'd be foolish for me to think that I in and of myself have sufficient for the journey. But the verse doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, but our sufficiency is of God. So even here, Paul recognizes that apart from Christ, I don't have what I need. And neither do you, neither do I. But we need not go through life overwhelmed by the challenges. And quite frankly, we don't need to wake up each morning with this I don't know, anxiety regarding what lies before us. The uncertainty of even this day that we are right now in is, in a sense, palpable. We sense the uncertainty. 
And maybe in our day, unlike others that we've experienced previously, maybe there is heightened uncertainty. We just don't know what to expect. We've had too many yesterdays that caught us off guard to fully be confident about our tomorrows, which still lay before us. So do you and I really have strength for the journey? And we might even pare it down more closely than that. Do you and I actually have strength for the day? We need not go through life overwhelmed by the daily challenges. And by God's grace, we'll see that in our passage today. Your Bibles are open again to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin reading in verse number 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 15. Here, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, says, For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so with this passage of scripture, let's ask the question today, where is strength for the journey or strength for the day found? And let's begin here, verse number 15. The first few words of verse number 15 say, for all things are for your sakes. If you're taking notes today, let's begin with this. Where is strength for the day found? It is found in the power of all things. It is found in the power of all things. Again, he says, for all things are for your sakes sakes the words all things here are to be understood as completely comprehensive in other words there's no wiggle room in this this is one of those statements that when he says for all things are for your sakes he not only means it here but we see that thought repeated all throughout scripture have you ever had someone say this expression to you maybe when you were a kid or or maybe on a job or something have you ever had someone say to you Trust me, this is for your own good. Okay. And have you ever doubted the words that someone just said? Like you were a little suspect. Maybe they were convinced that this is for your good, but you weren't quite as convinced. And maybe these words, I don't mean much pun with this, but maybe these, you know, strike a little closer to home. Have you ever had the words, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? Okay, how many of you are not so confident in that statement as well? Okay, what what a person's trying to communicate is, listen, I know this is unpleasant, but this is for your good. And what the Apostle Paul is helping us come to is that there is something of benefit in understanding the power of all things. Paul is saying all that we are doing All that we are saying, all that we are enduring is for a purpose. And that purpose is good. 
Uh, by the way, listen to the details that Paul shares a little bit earlier in the passage. Just back up a few verses and look at beginning in verse number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest by our body. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, listen, we're willing to endure all things. We have gone through persecution. We have gone through oppression. We have gone through hardship. And the list goes on and on. And he says, it's okay. We have what we need and we're willing to endure all things because there's something bigger at the end of that journey. There are, in a sense, there are, there's a twofold understanding of what Paul's saying when he says all things. First, he's literally saying we are willing to suffer all things so that you can benefit and so that God can be glorified. And to what length, we should ask, to what inconvenience to what difficulty are you and I willing to go to so that others may be helped and God glorified? The Apostle Paul said, we're willing to endure all things because we're, we're in this for your faith. We're led by God. We're supplied by God. We have what we need. But we are suffering all things for the advancement of your faith. I mean, sometimes our, our, I've come to the end of my rope comes with a really short rope. And the Apostle Paul comes to the point where he says, hey, listen, I'm understanding all things. I'm willing to endure all things for the advancement of the gospel and the work of the gospel in your lives. We do well to ask ourselves, okay, to what lengths am I willing personally to go for the advancement of the gospel in the lives of others? But secondly, Paul goes beyond that. And I think not only is he willing to do all things for the benefit of the Corinthians, but God is doing the same. He is working all things for your sakes. Are we reminding ourselves of this as we face the great unknown of days ahead? Again, verse number 15, the first few words, for all things are for your sakes. I mean, can you rewind just a bit of the the past several months of your life? And when you start to unroll the canvas of, of day after day after day, Have you inserted the reality that God was up to something good in the all things of your life? Or do we sometimes stand back and we say, why did this have to happen? Why why am I experiencing this? Why have I, I gone through this affliction or this hardship or this sickness or this loss? And God is reminding us again repeatedly, all things are for your sakes. You and I know that as followers of Christ, we experience difficulty, hurtful things. Some are the results of the sin of others. Let me just mention that again. Some of the hurt that we experience is the result of or the consequence of the sin of others. Does that mean that God can't use someone else's wrong for our good? Some of the hardship that we face is the sin of ourselves. Can God use the sin of self 
to do something good, bring about some conclusion that I needed to learn, that I needed to experience, I needed the correction to actually form Christ more perfectly in me. And some things are just hurtful. It's not the result of anyone's sin. It's just the result of living in a fallen world and some things just hurt. Are we reminding ourselves that God is taking all of these events of our lives and working them together for good? I know many of you know this passage, but humor me for a moment and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Keep your place in our 2 Corinthians passage, but turn in your Bible to Romans chapter number 8. This is one of the best all things passages or most well-known all things passages in scripture. Romans 8 and look down with me if you will in just a moment at verse number 28. Romans 8 beginning in verse number 28. And we know that and here's our our two word phrase. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you know, many times we, we come to circumstances or, or even a passage of scripture like that and we use this kind of, oh great, what's next uh, mentality. It's like, oh man, okay, we know that all things work together. What's he gonna do next? But God's not some arbitrary God in the sky who is, randomly putting some challenge or difficulty in our life just to see how we'll handle it. God is taking those all things and working them strategically, purposefully together for our good. We experience a run of hardships and trials and at times we think that God or at least life is against us. We start to identify with Jacob Jacob, who is this this father of the the tribes, Jacob began to take on this mentality that that life and and quite possibly God and and certainly all the people around me, they are against me. When when the sons came back from Egypt and they say, "Here's, here's what's next, here's what we have to do next to get food, Jacob, the Bible says in Genesis 42, 36, and Jacob, their father, said unto them, me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Did Jacob know how close he was to actually wrapping his arms once more around his son Joseph? Did Jacob know how close he was to having daily provision in the midst of an unprecedented drought? Did Jacob know that God was actually bringing about the plans whereof he would form a nation and bring that nation out of Egypt with a strong arm? Could Jacob have known any of those things? And yet Jacob stood, even in the midst of hard things, some of the all things, Jacob stands on the very brink of seeing God do some great things. What is it that that all things encompasses? It encompasses even the hardships of life that God is bringing together for our good. Look a little bit further in the passage in Romans chapter 8. I know we go quickly to Romans 8, 28, and we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But the passage goes on and it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. In other words, God has a plan. He also did predestinate to what end? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know what God is doing through the all things of your life and mine? He is chiseling away at some of those things that would mar the image of Christ in our lives. Or he is adding to, developing, deepening, forming some things that will picture, that will reflect the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, the glorified Christ, the first of many. That passage goes on and it says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called whom he called, them he justified, whom he justified, listen, them he also glorified. Hmm. Those that he saved, these that are the blood bought, these that are the children of God, them he also glorified. You remember, what does the word glory mean? It means to give the right opinion of God. Do you know what he's forming in you? Through the inclusion of all things, He is forming the glory of Jesus Christ in you so that others look at your life and they have the right opinion through our right reflection of him. If God has given us the greater, Jesus, won't he give us the lesser? Let's finish that passage. Notice a little bit further in the Romans 8 passage, verse number 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us, here's our word again, all things. Do you know what he's saying? Now think through, what does this mean for a person like me? And we know that all things work together for good. Whom he did foreknow, them did he also predestinate. To what end? To be conformed to the image of Christ. What does that conclude in? The glory of God in us. And he, he went to great, the greatest of lengths to accomplish this. To what end? He that spared not his own son... Shall he not freely with him give us all things? If God has granted to you and granted to me the greater, and that is Jesus Christ, then isn't he going to do all things? Isn't he prepared to do all things, all the lesser things to accomplish the greater things? What's your your history like? Rightly seen, your history is nothing more and nothing less than the journey of God making your life more accurately reflecting the life of Christ. And he's willing to, do, to use all things to bring about that righteous end. Those two words in Romans eight twenty eight, 
They are, they are powerful words. There's a couple more words that are great in that passage as well. And we know that all things, and here's two more words that are, that are wonderful words. All things work together. Work together. The words work together, they come from an interesting Greek word. The Greek word is synergeo. Synergeo. It's the word that we get our English word synergy from. Synergy. All things work together. Synergy. Okay, that is that synergy that, that, that the combined parts are greater than any of the individual parts can produce themselves. So, so okay, I, I don't just have one plus one equals two. Synergy means that I have one and then I add another and it produces more than just the individual parts. So it's, it's, it's us this morning. How many of you feel like you're a few quarts low this morning? How many of you feel a little bit under? Okay, now you don't all look that way, but a few of you may. Okay, so let's, um, let's try something a little different today, okay? Let's try this. I'm going to, I don't know if we can get lights on in the orchestra right now, but let's see if we can have lights up and, and you guys, hey, we have lights and um, I'm going to come back. Now, I'm not an orchestra conductor, but I love the Rejoice Orchestra. So let's, um, let's try something. We're going to try something with the hymn Day by Day. And I'm going to come back here. And you know what I don't have? Brother Kanata, do you have one of those little things? that, um, Or do you have one right here? Oh, she has one right here. You were about to run up. I can't use two of them because that would be so confusing. I'm going to handle this with great care. And okay, so here's what we're going to do. First of all, I feel like you're supposed to do that. I don't, don't really know why, but I feel like you're supposed to. Okay, so we're going to play the, the hymn day by day. Okay, so day by day. And we're going to start with the parts that add um, harmony, but not the melody. And then we'll add the melody. Are you guys the melody? And I think flutes. Flutes, you pay attention. Okay, so flutes. And um, um, the strings right here, but not all the strings do that, correct? So are you melody or harmony? Harmony, okay. Bassoon, what do you do? He said he didn't know. No, he didn't say, <laughs> didn't say that. He says he carries the bass. Okay, let's start with, um, let's start with you guys. And uh, bassoon, do you want to start with them? We're going to do day by day. And I'll, start, I'll give you a, a little count in and then, and then we'll go. And... I have this, so don't mess with me. Okay, here we, here we go. All right, you ready? And then I'll just point to, um, I'll point to people. Do you guys do anything with this? <laughs> do you ever do? I mean, or you just, you just like the, the seat because it sounds good. Okay, all right. So here we go. Are you ready? We'll try this, and then we'll start adding, adding parts in. This is the song day by day. Ready? Here we go.
Hey, let's give them a round of applause. They did a nice job. I'm going to pass this back to you, never to touch again. Okay, I'll come around this way. Um, the cellos started it out. So how many of you would, um, would love to just enjoy only the cello line all the way through? Now, I love the cello. I think the cello is beautiful. Oh, they're ready. We're not going to have you do it, okay? But um, I love the cello because it has such a voice and, and it's communicative. But if it were just the cello line all the way through day by day, but is the cello important in the orchestra? Is it most important in the orchestra? Yes, I knew they were gonna, <laughs> I knew they were gonna say that. So, so it's important. Quite honestly, I don't know that it's any more important than the bassoon or than the, the first violin. But it is quite possibly equally important and, and who am I, quite honestly, some, some musical novice to be able to say, well, well, we could do without this part or we could do without that part. But, but the person who wrote the music said, these are the parts that come together. And this is the line that is important. And, and this is what it's going to carry and communicate. And these are all going to come together in such a way that we, we enjoy harmony something bigger than any of the individual parts could communicate. We certainly could have the, the first violin play through the song and we could understand the song, but, but how much of the song would be missing without all of the collective parts? And how much of our lives would be missing? How much of Christ would be unseen if it were not for the all things that God in his goodness says, you're going to need this to, to look more accurately like Christ. How is it that you can have strength for your day? It is in knowing that today, God is up to something good in my life. And he is forming more carefully the image of Christ in me. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15, it says again, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. All things are coming together in such a way that it ultimately produces the overflowing glory of God. There is power in understanding all things. Let's go a little bit further, a little more deeply into the passage. The first thing that we understand is the power of all things. The second thing that we understand is the provision of daily strength. The power of all things. All things are for your sakes. And then the provision of daily strength. Look at verse number 16. 2 Corinthians 4 verse number 16. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That first phrase, for which cause we faint not. You say, well, well, what cause? This is the fact that Paul is living for a purpose and a power beyond himself. And because he's living for the work of another, he is anticipating something. 
Okay, so, so Paul's engaged in the work. I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm engaged in my service of the king. Okay, there's, there's joy, we sang, in serving Jesus. We, we, we sang, give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Even Dave, as he sang today, he's talking about this privilege that we have to serve the one. Doesn't it make sense that if I am in service of someone, I can reasonably expect the provision of the one that I'm serving to accomplish the task that they have tasked me with doing? Isn't that reasonable? Okay, if I'm serving Christ, it's reasonable for me to expect provision from the same. Okay, he's asked me to do this. This is my job. This is before me. He has a day prepared for me, a day that's actually going to more deeply form Christ in me. And he has work for me to do. I'm to work while it's yet day, while I have opportunity. Isn't it reasonable then that every day of my life, so long as I am in service of the king, I can also expect the provision of the same. For which cause? Jesus told his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. When the tribe of Asher was receiving their blessing, the, the Bible forms it this way, Deuteronomy 33 verse 25, as thy days so shall thy strength be. What a, what a wonderful blessing. What he's saying is every day you're going to have exactly what you need. And because Paul understood the power of all things, he understood I've got a provider. He, he's, there's, he's doing something in my life and we're doing something in yours. And he's going to give us all that we stand in need of. So in like fashion, you and I can expect that God will daily provide for our needs. Now, if our needs are not being met, I think we should ask two questions. If my needs are not being met, question number one is, is this truly a need? And that's a legitimate question. Well, I, I don't have what I need. Okay, back up just a little bit and ask yourself the question, is this truly a need or is it a want or a strong desire? So ask the question. And then I think secondly, we should then ask, if I don't have what I need, is it truly a need? And secondly, am I engaged in the right service? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I serving the right master? No man we know can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one, hate the other, hold the one, despise the other. You, you can't serve God and mammon. So am I serving the right master? There is a, a personal master that doesn't have the provision that I need. But there is a heavenly father. If I'm in his service, it is absolutely expected that he is responsible to provide for me all that I stand in need of. Paul keeps repeating some phrases and, and um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 1 he says therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not. Well these words faint not they have a variety of meaning and it can mean to become discouraged. It can also mean to, to be lax, to be reluctant, cowardly, timid, to grow discouraged because of seemingly overwhelming odds. So when he says, for which cause, he's referring back to the glory of God and the ministry he's received. He's saying, we're not to be worn out, not timid, not discouraged, even though we may be physically wearing down. 
We are to be spiritually invigorated. And notice how he concludes this verse in verse number 16. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Okay, how many of you become increasingly aware that your body is not improving? Okay. If you become, I heard this, this kind of moan out there at that time. Our body's not getting better. Julie was talking to me yesterday. She said, well, well, what are you preaching tomorrow? And I was explaining and, and I said, you know, the, the outward man perishes, but the inward man renewed, you know, we, we, we have what we need spiritually. I said, we're all on this slow train to, to should the Lord tarry, we're all on this pathway, this slow train to death. And Julie said, some trains are faster than others. <laughs> okay. I said, true, true. I said, but we're all moving toward, at one point, at one time, our bodies are going to die. They, they, they are not this continually renewable source. But you do have a continually renewable source. And though the outward man perish, the Bible says our inner man is renewed day by day. I know sometimes we have to let our, our bodies rest. We shouldn't be expected to just, well, I just, I can just keep going and going because I have strength from God. You have spiritual strength from God. But your bodies don't, don't experience that same miraculous daily, you know, wow, it's better today than it was 10 years. L listen, your bodies are wearing out. And Paul recognizes that. He understands that. But he also says, I have spiritually everything every day that I stand in need of. It's just an honest recognition. Paul knows someday if the Lord doesn't return, he would physically expire. His days were numbered. But with unwavering confidence, he also knew that every day of his life, he would have all that he needed. Every day. His inward man is renewed. And don't you love those words? His inward man was renewed day by day. She preferred to be called Lena, but her name was Carolina Sandelberg, and her father, with whom she was very close, was a pastor. They were on a ship, and the boat lurched, and as it did, her pastor father fell overboard, and she watched as her father drowned. And what a trying, obviously traumatic experience. But in that devastating loss, she is the one who penned day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best, lovingly. It's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Mingling, that's part of the all things that says every day, day by day, I'm gonna have all that I stand in need of. The Christian life is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of supernatural provision that is always equal to the trial. And that provision is guaranteed to us every day of our lives. Yes, 
Paul knew the power of all things. He knew the provision of daily strength. And finally, he found strength in the promise of future glory. First, the power of all things. Second, the provision of daily strength. And finally, the promise of future glory. Look again, verse number 17 in our text today. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse number 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you know what it means? It means that the scales are tipped in your favor. In fact, there's really no contest. Have you ever seen some, some I don't know, competition or something unfold and you just looked at, at the odds that were stacked against one and you kind of shook your head and you said, that's just not fair. Okay. That's, that's not a fair contest. That's not a fair competition. Do you know, in the circumstances of our lives, when we look at this present world, And we weigh all that it has to offer in light of future glory and all that that has to offer. We say, wow, there's really no contest. Do you you know for the believer, eternity is heavily weighted in your favor. There's really no competition. You say, well, that's, that's not even fair. You're right, it's not. There is something in your future that far outweighs anything that this world has to offer. If you and I are only about that which we can see as a measure of God's working and of his strength, then we are definitely looking at the wrong things. Notice the contrasts that are presented in in these two verses. He says affliction and then glory. He talks about the lightness And then he talks about the weightiness, this light affliction, and then the weight of glory. He says the the physical things, the things which are seen versus those invisible things, the things which are not seen. He talks about the temporal versus the eternal. What contrast he continually forces our mind's eye to behold. If you pause to consider them, we come again by saying, you know, there's really no comparison In this life, we are just sampling this glory. But someday, it won't be just a sampling. It will be undiminished experience. And that's what you and I are are moving toward. Not this this light affliction. No. We're we're moving toward the weight of glory. We, We understand the things which are seen. But we look through spiritual eyes at the things that at this moment we cannot see. We understand the the, the reality of the temporal, but my, the glory of that which is to us now invisible, but one day we will see with undiminished eyes. Today we sample, then we will fully experience. Have you ever been by the kitchen before? In fact, have you ever purposefully gone by the kitchen before when you knew what was being prepared? Have you ever um, just, you know, you kind of hang out. Maybe, maybe over the holidays you knew there's some stuff that's cooking in there and you just start hanging out. You know, you're like vulture circling, you know. 
and you're, you're hanging out and, and then you hear the words you were hoping to hear. And grandmas offer these all the time. Would you like to try? And you're like, yes. And they, they let you try. Now, how many, now our wives are not quite as gracious for some reason. You know, we're usually like, hey, let me try. And hey, no, 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 not yet, you know. But sometimes grandmothers, you come by and it's like, hey, would you like to try? And say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll hand you something and it's just a little taste, a little sampling. And you'll say, hey, how about a little? No, 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 no. You just wait, but there's a little, a little taste of what's to come. Do you know what you and I have today? We have all around us these little tastes of what's to come. Strength that we didn't know we had. Something that was present. And we say, Lord, Lord, give me strength. And he says, look, look, you have it. I'm here. I'm going to give you what you stand in need of. Lord, a little taste of joy. And God in his goodness says, here's, here's a little sampling. And one day you're going to experience this joy undiminished. Today we have the, the first fruits, so to speak, and, and we get to sample, but then someday we will be in full possession of that which God is moving us toward. In this life, it is just a taste of that which is to come. We have joy oftentimes mixed with sorrow, triumph that comes with trial, and all through it we have all that we need. Not so much supply that we should forget the supplier and focus only on his supply. But we have for whatever the journey and wherever the journey may take us, whatever the day may hold, we have what we need today. And the promise of, a sampling of the future glory that we will enjoy with him. You and I have at this moment all the strength we need for today. Not necessarily more than we need, but undoubtedly all that we need. Are you realizing the power of all things? He is working all things for your good. Are you recognizing the provision of daily strength? That we have it day by day. And are you tasting with anticipation the promise of future glory?